I start off just being a nerd coding dashboards in my practice, uh, making dashboards using whatever I get my hands on. And hey, we got it wrong so many times. We were looking at the wrong things, using the wrong data, introducing it to people the wrong way. But after a few years, we suddenly realized that we had a pretty good set of dashboards that were not only providing reporting, but providing actionable insights. Because I think data, that you don't have anything you can do with it. It's like, that's lovely. That's a great PDF. That's a great email, but I'm just going to file that, that away now. So we started building those dashboards. And then you know what? Other practices were hearing that, you know, we had these dashboards. So I'd be talking to them at the end of the talk. They'd be like, hey, Chris, you've got some dashboards. Can you, can you hook us up with some dashboards? Yeah. Chris Mead is the CEO of Cubico. Chris founded Cubico in 2017. The platform provides data and analytics for GP clinics and helps take care of all the financial metrics crucial for the practice. Chris is also the founder of Halo Connect, which he started in 2021 to solve the disjointed data problem in the healthcare industry. As a strategically focused and passionate professional with a career in accounting and business management spanning more than 13 years, he has an exceptional understanding of business policy, practice and development, directing startups and pioneering innovative information technology solutions are part and parcel of what Chris offers companies who want to take their business to the next level. Welcome to Hacking Health. This podcast is for future-focused health experts, thought leaders and change makers who are interested in making health accessible for everyone because together we can get to the future faster. What's the most recent movie you watched? It was actually Saturday morning when I was on the couch, uh, post-Christmas party, gonna have to confess. Um, Jurassic Park is my go-to hungover movie. Uh, there's something about it that just brings me a lot of joy. So uh, Jurassic Park, two days ago on the couch, made me very happy. Is there a new Jurassic Park movie? There has, there's been like five in total now. Oh um, I go back to the original. Um, yeah. The nerd in me just loves the original. I mean, I remember seeing that movie with my dad at the as a child at, the movies and being just horrified by it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Maybe the book, playing the computer game. Um, I was in like grade six showing my age here. Yes, loved it. I love that you love that movie. Here, next time you come to Adelaide, we've got uh, at the museum, we've got this Tyrannosaurus Rex that you put $2 on and it, and it kind of comes to life. Children find it terrifying, but I will take you there. And I'll start we, saving my petty cash. Well, for that, I, I, um, I will. Like, you can you can actually put it on a card now. They're very very <laughs> advanced. Tap and go expense. Yeah. <laughs> what drives you to get up every morning? Drives me. You know what? I just love this business of general practice. I love what we do for patients. Love what we do for our teams. And anything I can do to make that better makes me happy. Um, and not always following all the rules just because it's the way it's always been done. Mm-hmm. But doing something awesome because you can do it is what I love. Uh, pushing those boundaries in a safe way. Yeah. But pushing those boundaries to do awesome things. And then just surrounding myself with amazing people. I'm so lucky to work with people who are smarter than me, um, who are better at what they do than me. No one else gets that. And I just feel like I'm very lucky to be able to do that. That's so awesome. How did you get involved in healthcare in the first place? Well, that is a, that's a great question. Um, originally, I studied as an accountant, so really? please, uh, no one hold that against me. Um, graduated as an accountant and then went, oh, God, 
I don't want to be an accountant. I just don't want to be an accountant. So I lived in Brisbane and there was a, a general practice that was a not-for-profit here in Brisbane that provides a huge amount of refugee healthcare. And I always just had a huge passion for social justice. I just don't stand for inequality. So when they're looking for a practice manager, I thought, cool, go and do that for a year, give something back, you know, just make a difference. Never been in health before. Didn't, I don't think, understand what a practice manager actually did. But you and, saw and the ad and you thought, ago. I could do this. Yeah, yeah, totally. I love that um, I think I would just like, I have an accounting degree, I've worked for not-for-profits before, I'll give it a crack. Very naive, I'm going to say that. Yeah. Very, very naive. A pretty steep learning curve. Didn't know the MBS schedule, didn't know anything like that when I started. I guess surrounded myself with amazing doctors and amazing nurses and amazing receptionists, um, which made life a bit easier because suddenly you had these amazing people who teach you. And I knew all I was doing was the numbers and the management and everything behind the scenes to let those awesome doctors and nurses do what they do best, which was care for people. So that's how I got involved in healthcare many, many years ago. A full head of hair when I started. I oh, say. I've heard that. I've heard that you had hair and now look at you. <laughs> the, the years, the years have ravaged me. <laughs> I wouldn't have said that. I guess like leading on from that experience, how did you get involved in health tech and starting Cubico? Started working in the practice. Being a not-for-profit doesn't mean you're a for loss. Mm. Um, we still have to be sustainable business, you know. Um, we had to pay payroll and pay rent and do all those things that business must do. And um, I realised since I've had amazing doctors, nurses, receptionists, but we didn't really know what was going on in our business. So I didn't start off to make a healthcare company. Mm. Um, I started off just being a nerd coding dashboards in my practice, uh, making dashboards using whatever I get my hands on. And hey, we got it wrong so many times. We were looking at the wrong things, using the wrong data, introducing it to people the wrong way. But after a few years, we suddenly realized that we had a pretty good set of dashboards that were not only providing reporting, but providing actionable insights. Because I think data that you don't have anything you can do with it, it's like, that's lovely. That's a great PDF. That's a great email, but I'm just going to file that, file that away now. So we started building those dashboards. And then you know what? Other practices were hearing that, you know, we had these dashboards. So I'd be talking to them at the end of the talk. They'd be like, hey, Chris, you've got some dashboards. Can you, can you hook us up with some dashboards? Yeah. So I felt like this like black market dealer in dashboards. So for those <laughs> who are not watching the video, I'm like trench coat motioning here. Um, you know, do you want an appointments dashboard or a billings dashboard? Um, what can I hook you up with as a dashboard dealer? But you know what that meant? And I think this is something that's really interesting in health tech is that we actually found out that we had a demand for a product. Um, what we didn't have was a product. We had me working in a charity that wasn't set up to be a health tech company that was set up to be a not-for-profit medical center. So after a few years, um, we got together with a data analytics company and formed a for-profit entity that just so happens to have a second, uh, just so happens to have a shareholder that is a not-for-profit, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. So we're using all that amazing work we did in the practice to make some health tech. That was about five years, five and a half years ago. We yes. spent a year building Cubico, yes. which was a lot of hard graft. We spent a year testing Cubico, just getting agreement on things. Like, what isn't our in general practice? That was a pretty amazing thing to try and get an agreement on. And then we launched um, three years ago. So uh, three years and, and two months ago. That's so that's what I had my fall in health tech. I fell in from being in health and solving a problem with tech and into tech. Yeah, cool. And you recently passed a milestone of over a thousand practices. Yeah. Are those sorts of things like the milestones, things that you plot out with your team, or 
so you, I was going to say, did you ever think you'd reach this point? But if you're setting those goals with your team, you knew you would reach that point. And then what's the next one? And how do you reward yourselves? To be honest, a thousand was always a dream. Um, right. I think when I started this, we thought it'd be like two or 300 practices would use our system. I was actually uh, doing some work a couple of weeks ago and we found the original planning document from a few years ago where we saw oh. the goal was to have two or 300 practices would all ever do using our platform. And um, I remember actually starting in this industry and someone who'd been around for a long time saying, no, nah, no one ever wants data, no one ever wants insights, you're dreaming. You'll never get more than a couple of hundred practices. So crossing a thousand practices was a pretty amazing Huge. moment. Yeah, I think it's a thousand practices that just care about their practice, which is what I love. Mm. And want to build a better practice. Mm. Um, you know, a thousand practices was an amazing achievement to me. But if you ask me, the achievement I'm more proud of this year to do with numbers was that um, every year, have you heard of like Comic-Con and Zero-Con? Yes. We do Cubicon, um, where we get together. They've been there. Um, and we got over 500 practices to that. So 500 practices took a day out of their practice to get together and chat about how to use data was just awesome. So I think it's community is just so important to me. Yes. Um, And yes, it goes along with that. We had goals. We smashed those goals, which is amazing. But I think one of the most important goals is that community and that, you know, you can grow, but have terrible customer service. Yes. And to me, it's about finding that fabulous balance where we have enough people helping practice get the most out of Cubico that it doesn't just become something. So at Cubico, We've got a six or five practice managers on, on number six who have all worked in general practice. Yes. And they're just manning the chat, manning the phones, doing the training because you don't call out our tools or website. It's easy to use. You give us a buzz when you want to know how do I get something out of my data? Mm. How do I use it in my practice? Mm. And having practice managers who have lived the talk and walked the walk is so important to bring that, that data to life. Definitely. Definitely. That's so exciting. So you have awesome. uh, your own podcast. You're a podcaster now. Um, I know. Tell me it's what it's about crazy. and who you're working with and what you're trying to do. Yeah. So uh, we love the crew over at Hot Dogs. And uh, towards the end of last year, um, Rivka and Kim and I did a series of four webinars where we got together and we were just talking about different topics. We were mid-vaccination uh, rollout. Mm-hmm. You know, times were tough. And we had to make slides for those one-hour webinars. And we actually realized that the slides actually didn't add any value. They were just prompts for us to talk more about certain topics. Mm. So we were like, okay, if we're just talking and we don't need slides, what's the best way to engage people when you're just having a chat? It's via a podcast. Yes. Um, and also, we'd get together for a sneaky chat every so often. We're doing amazing things. And, and one day we were like, what if we could share these chats with other people? Because it was just the three of us. but you know, there was things that I was learning from them that yes. I was like, I just want to share that with everyone. Yeah. So we thought, let's do a podcast. And it probably took about six months of like, let's do a podcast to episode one. But we got there, which was really cool. And and what I love about it is that we get together, we have a laugh, and we talk about things that would make life in general practice, particularly for practice managers and, uh, and a bit for practice owners and reception team members just that bit easier or help cut through some of the mystery Mm. or just get to chat to amazing practices from all over the country and hear out what they're doing. 
And one of my other past jobs was a surveyor. So I visit practices for their accreditation business. Yes. And I got to see just like so many amazing things in practices. And I was like, I just want to shout from the rooftops about this awesome thing that you guys are doing because we don't all have to be in our little silos doing our own individual things. We can share these awesome learnings. There's enough patience to go around. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're going to share stories from amazing practices from all over Australia, from amazing guests, um, just to make that life a bit easier and, and hopefully have a laugh along the way. Having fun. It's very important. Exactly. What's the biggest challenge in health tech that you're finding at the moment? And, and what are you doing to tackle it? One is that the Australian healthcare system is based on a fee for service. So um, if a doctor, you know, for the whole, you know, I'm talking about the 90%, 95% here, for the whole, when a doctor is not interacting with a the patient, they're not being paid for that time. And so many people have these amazing health tech ideas, but actually there's no revenue associated mm. with them. And our doctors are independent contractors. I'm sure you could speak for, for days on that, how they are independent contractors. And they're, they're paid for when they have a patient mm. on, the, on the phone or in front of them. So I think one of the biggest challenges for Australian health tech compared to other models where they're funded more on, on a whole patient or an outcome or something like that, and they have their, their drawbacks as well, is that it has to fit into that workflow that assists in the doctor seeing patient model. Mm. So I think that's the first challenge. The second one is just the interoperability challenge. We've got data here, 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 and here. And just because it's not in the cloud, shouldn't be an excuse for it there not to be interoperability. Uh, the cloud is not the thing that solves interoperability. It's connecting people together that solves interoperability. So I'd say they're the two biggest challenges at the moment. I hear I thought you were going to talk about staffing that's what i hear all the time but no oh i thought it was health tech it is it is but i how are you finding hiring engineers and like is that a difficulty no we've been fully staffed for about six months fantastic um, we're a team of 27 here in brizzy just doing awesome awesome work um, i'm wanting to touch wood now you made me think that i'm cursed no, touch your head um, you touch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, we've got an amazing team. We've got people based here in Brizzy. We've got people up in Cairns. We've got a few people in Canberra, um, all over the shop. Yeah, no, we've got a pretty awesome team. I'm um, sorry. I thought your question was about the industry more, it more was, generally. It was. And yeah. I was wondering about the staffing, but I think when you're really values driven and you like live and breathe it like you and your team do, it's very attractive for existing team members obviously to stick around but then it also attracts new people that have that same drive and and values as well yeah and i think we've grown a team of people who are just you know so good at what they do as i said before i'm so lucky to get to work with them and just yeah i think it's 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 uh i think the labor market in tech has eased over the last eight weeks or so okay um, but as a we've sort of been fully staffed most of this year very, very luckily. Yay. So health tech is ever-changing and super highly regulated. How are you, how do you keep ahead of that and adapt your business? Yeah, so I think it starts at a very high level where um, I was really lucky about two and a half, three years ago, our shareholders, I went to them and said, you're amazing on our board as representatives of the shareholders, but actually I need to surround myself with people who bring skills and insights together to help us be the best possible company. 
And they went with that. And so we got a skills matrix together of skills for a, for a tech company and skills of, 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 of a health company and kind of put them together. And we said, this would make a fantastic group of people as a board yes. to steer Chris and the team on the journey. And um, of course, they're accountable to the shareholders as the board. But what we did is put a, an amazing group of people around the table that, that will bring a diversity of opinion together mm-hmm. and not be afraid to do that. Yes. So I actually think our board is working well when we have a robust conversation because we need to work out the best way forward, not when everyone just thinks the same way. Yes. Or when as CEO and founder, I'm challenged on, I'm, I'm challenged on an idea because that was a preconceived idea I had that I needed to be challenged on to make sure it was the right course of action. So I think that's where it started, was actually having the right people on our board advising mm. us the right way. The second thing is adapting is just, I think I go to nearly everything I get invited to because you learn so much from going to those things. You do. And just because the title doesn't directly relate to what you thought you did, doesn't mean you don't learn something. Mm. And doesn't mean you don't understand something. Or doesn't mean there's something that's coming out of left field isn't across you, across you. Uh, the third thing I'd say is just amazing uh, mentors and coaches around me who, who sort of know what's going on. And, and then finally, the best barometer of what's going to happen in healthcare is our customers. Yes. They live and breathe health every day and they know what's coming down the line and they know what's going to be challenging and they know what's challenging them now. Mm. And I think it's uh, a real uh, detriment when you stop listening to what makes your customers happy. Because sometimes policy is over here, but what happens on the front line is here. Yep. And that's the real challenge is adapting to make it work on the front line because that's that's where the real real outcomes happen. So true and so important to listen to the people you're serving to hear how you can serve them better. Mm. They pay your bills every month. So you've got to make sure you're delivering a product which is useful to them. Yeah, definitely. What do you think the source of your inspiration is? I think my source of my inspiration is that you can actually make a difference by doing your thing your way. So, you know, I'm Chris, I'm a bit crazy, but I get to make a difference in in a lot of uh, healthcare businesses by doing what I do. And that's pretty amazing. And and I always have to be grateful for that because uh, not everyone gets that chance. Mm. But I think that's sort of something that drives me is that when will I ever get this chance in life again to do something like this and create something like this and to take an opportunity to build something is pretty, pretty cool. That, that's sort of what, what makes me get up and drives me to, to do better and better um, every day. Chris, you're doing such an amazing job with Cubico. What's next? Oh, look, you know, I'm never short an idea. Um, I think that's always going to be a bit of a, a fault of mine. Along the way, building Cubico, and I think that comment I made before about interoperability, I realised that um, getting data out of on-prem systems mm. didn't create um, innovation. You know, there was no innovation in connecting this on-prem system to our cloud-based analytics platform. Yes, okay. And during COVID, I really saw that people had amazing ideas but would have to sink a lot of money to build a connector between an on-premise system and their amazing cloud-based idea. Yes. So I was like, oh, could we not do something cool about this? So um, we went off and we created this awesome connector that connects the on-prem practice management system to a cloud-based API. So what we can start doing is taking that last mile of pain away from it. So when someone has an awesome health tech idea, they focus on building their awesome idea, not that on-prem connector. Okay. The other cool bit of is that we then plug into the cloud-based connectors as well. So rather than having building for on-prem and for cloud, 
software building for both at the same time, which sets us up really well for the future. Yeah. And that's what Halo Connect was. So that was the other business that we got up and running. And that actually got seven, now has seven team members here in Brizzy, um, oh co-locating with the Cubico team. Yeah, no, it's been great. So what do you, like, what's been easier? Like which journey? Because they're mm. quite so, different, um, but they're linked. Yeah, so we call them siblings. Okay, um, yeah. So we're co-locating, so the best bits of Cubico culture can transfer over to um, to Halo Connect. The second time around, as a, I understand the comment that people make that often a second time around founder is a little bit, uh, is in a better position. Because yeah. you've seen the mistakes and you know where you put effort yes. and you know the mistakes you made the first time. Um, you know what worked and you know what didn't work. We've been really lucky with Halo Connect, the best practices come on board and got involved as an investor. So that awesome. really helped um, supercharge the business. Yeah. And brought a lot Last of expertise track. as well. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they're very different businesses and they're both on very different paths. But I love that because it means that we're solving two problems in the ecosystem really well with that, with that focus on customer. And I think that's the thing that it comes back to is that um, I'm building an on-prem connector, having managed a clinic for for over 10 years and knowing the pain of having 14 apps on the server, mm. that some behave well, some behave poorly. It's always coming from what will solve a problem for the customer. Um, and that's a big focus of, of what we do. So what, like, how do you split your time now? Like my mind is um, kind of bending. <laughs> yeah, so I was really lucky. We knew that Chris would not scale well across two businesses. Yes. Um, so Halo has its own CEO. Oh, Jason, fantastic. Who does an amazing job. So I get to be more of a founder director in the Halo piece. Yes. Um, still metal, which is great, but that team has its own roadmap and its own independence by being its own company. Yes. Um, which is really important that it's got its own CEO, its own board. Yeah. Um, and it will strike its own path um, as it grows as a company. Awesome. That's so exciting. Well done. Keeps me out of trouble. Definitely keeps Definitely me out of trouble. Definitely keeps you out of trouble. What have you done that you're most proud of? Create a team of 27 people who just deliver amazing value for our customers. And that is done by our product, which I'm also immensely proud of. So product and people. Yeah. But you know that there's this amazing feeling you have sometimes as a, a founder or CEO when things are just firing on all cylinders. The product's humming, customers are happy, happy team. And that's just, just like a brilliant space to be in. Sometimes you might miss it. Sometimes it passes you by in the hecticness of it. Uh, but I think at this time of year is Christmas. We just had our Christmas party last weekend, hence the Jurassic Park on a Saturday morning. Yes. It's when you actually reflect and when you go, wow, we've done some awesome things together. That's so nice. Uh, and I pretty, think pretty what cool. you didn't mention is that they're all here in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's Your team, here in which Australia. Which a, um, a lot of startups or tech businesses rely on overseas talent as well, but that you've done that here in Australia is also very yeah, inspiring. Yeah. yeah, I've done all here in Australia in a company that's 50-50 um, gender, equ gender equality, uh, in a company that embraces everyone's differences in a place that I love working and our team love working. It's pretty cool. Very I'm really, cool. really quite proud of what we've done. Oh, congratulations. I'm proud of you too. Thank you. No, it's been amazing. We're going to keep the conversation going in our private Facebook group, You Legal for Doctors. You're welcome to join us there.